Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Bray, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And on this show, we have football news. We have the entire 2021 football schedule for the Oregon Ducks and the all the other 11 Pac-12 teams at our fingertips. Uh, the Pac-12 conference has announced the 2021 football schedule. Uh, they are the last Power Five conference to do so. Uh, that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother time, but we're going to break it down here. We've got the duck schedule in place. We know dates now. Uh, don't know times, but we do know dates, and we can start planning out the 2021 football schedule. Uh, Eric, I have already booked all of our hotel rooms for all of our road games. I am excited to be back on the road. Knock on wood that that's actually possible. And we have an actual schedule now to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, just like from a personal perspective, the idea of hopping in a vehicle. Well, first, let's I mean, the idea, let's hope we are able to be cleared by September 11th for the game in Columbus. And we probably I mean, that, that game's been known for a while. So that's not new. But like in terms of travel, that would be I'd put that up there as maybe the best venue I've ever. I mean, the most excited I'd be for a venue that I've ever covered a game at, period regardless of sport. Um, I mean, going to Columbus, checking out a game where the Buckeyes are coming off a national runner-up season, like that's awesome. And then running through the conference schedule from uh, the two of our perspective, it's like two of these are drivable, you know, Stanford, Washington, the other two will have to get on flights. But like just the idea about kind of getting back to some level of normalcy, um, boy, I, I it was actually kind of, I mean, we, we knew tangentially what like the schedule was going to look like kind of, but seeing it in front of us um, and just kind of saying, here's the date and okay, this is a weekend we have to prepare to travel. That is something that we did not have at all in 2020. And frankly, was really, really weird. And um, I am like you, Matt, excited to be like, Hey, let's go down and, and drive to Stanford. Hey, we're going to be in the Rose Bowl um, right before Halloween. And oh my gosh, Salt Lake city in late November, boy, that's going to be cold. We better better bundle up for that, but just like all, this opportunity to go back on the road. Um, if, and again, we're knocking on wood cause we're not, there's not like, we don't have anything final here that we're going to be able to do it, but this far out in advance, the way the vaccine numbers are looking kind of feels like these are games where we'll be able to go to again. And, and like you, Matt, I'm really excited. And I'm also really excited to just kind of chat about the schedule. Cause I think it's really interesting when you look at it. Um, I don't want to jump into all my, my, my strong points here. Cause I want to kind of spread the sprinkle those out, but like, I just look at it and think this is a very back heavy schedule for Oregon. I just, you can go check out. I ranked the 12 games, all conference and non-conference games um, on duckterritory.com. Go check that out. And I ranked them from one to 12. But Pretty, let's start here. Like, yeah, let's start here. We'll start here. Yeah. What is, what is the, uh, let's throw out Sony Brook. Okay. Okay. All right. But what is the easiest game on the schedule for Oregon in your eyes? I actually zigged here a little bit. And initially I just said, Hey, Fresno state, the season opener, like, Hey, that's going to be a gimme game. But then the more I dug into that and the more I dug into their first conference game against Arizona at home, a couple weeks later, I thought I actually think the game against the Wildcats is going to be easier than the game against Fresno state. And that's a program in Arizona that is in complete shambles. I'd kind of almost forgotten because it's been such a wild year just how awful they were last year. I mean, they went 0-5. They lost their rivalry game to Arizona State 70-7. to That was the last game they played. They, they cleaned house with their staff. They lost Grant Gunnell, who's supposed to be their you know, long-term 
starting quarterback. He's now at Memphis. Um, the replacements are, are probably not going to be particularly good. The guys that played last year weren't great. I know they received – I think they picked up a transfer from um, somebody from Washington State. I don't know if he's actually going to win the job. But, like, I look at that program and go, like, they could be just terrible. Um, right. and, and, like, so I, I actually think that's probably – and, again, the, the Stony Brook game is, easy, is the easy choice. That was a team that was, like – 11th in the colonial in 2019 they're playing two seasons this year by the way for those listening that aren't familiar stony brook actually starts its first 2021 football season this weekend against villanova they play on saturday and so they're going to be playing into i mean they're playing into the month of may with football games and then going to be start turning around and heading to otson um in mid-september that one's a gimme game they aren't very that's not a very good program it was going to be gimme easy but either way but like the reality is like they're going to be probably in kind of a weird spot but I look at Fresno State and think that team actually won three games last year. Their starting quarterback is Jake Hayner, who was at Washington and competed for that job a couple of years ago. I actually think their quarterback situation is better. They have a little bit more continuity um, on the roster from a coaching perspective. And this is a program that's been one of the better programs in the Pac-12 for a while, or sorry, in the Pac-12, in the Mountain West for a while. And Oregon has some ties there with Tim DeRuder. So I, I actually think that game is a little bit more difficult than the game against the Wildcats on September 25th. Okay, so now we know the easiest game. Uh, well, let's give me your three toughest games on the schedule, um, starting with third, second, and then ending with the most difficult. All right, the first one's not going to surprise anybody listening, but the I'll, I'll go I'll go the other way here and just in the order. All three of these games I have are away from home, which is about what you would expect. I actually right. think you look at the road home thing. You've got two really tough conference games on the road but the rest of your road games i think are pretty favorable and honestly your home schedule and we'll get to that in a second too i don't think it's too bad either but the first one that i have here my third ranked game at utah november 20th and i kind of alluded to it a second ago but i was down there a couple of years ago when they played in salt lake city um, similar time of year and that place is first off salt lake's a great place and if, if, if fans are allowed to travel that's a must for for those that haven't been down there right. um Awesome, awesome surrounding area. But from a football perspective, that is a tough place to play. It's freezing cold down there. The fans are awesome. Um, that's a program that under Kyle Whittingham, I kind of think like this is where I'm at now with Utah from a comparison perspective. They're kind of like the, the Stanford of the Pac-12 South. Like, yeah. like, they, like they start the season and maybe there's some rust and maybe they're not playing at their best. But by the end, boy, are they difficult. And that's kind of what we see from Utah and what we see from Stanford now. And I look at them and think, they're going to be playing their best football this season by that point in the year. They have to replace their quarterback and their running back, but they'll have that all sorted out because that's their 11th game of the season. November 20th is the second to last game of the year for both schools um, before they play their rivalry games. That's a tough outing. Um, we don't know exactly what Utah is going to look like offensively because, like I said, they lost um, their starting quarterback, Jake Bentley. Ty Jordan, of course, their star running back, um, tragically passed shortly after the season. Um, he was going to be, I think, probably one of the – candidates for like an offensive player of the year in the conference or certainly in that kind of discussion um, they won't have him but I still think the Utes I kind of just rely on them in that program to be really really good so that's my third game second game and this probably also doesn't surprise a lot of people November 6th at Washington in Seattle there are all sorts of fun storylines here in terms of just the way the 2020 season went down you know you look at it and Oregon was supposed to hold, you know, host Washington for basically what was a Pac-12 North Division Championship game. Uh, Washington was unable to play that game because Washington was able to play that game. They won the Pac-12 North. Washington is celebrating that division championship, 
but Oregon gets to actually play in the game, wins the game. Washington fans are still hurt about that. Oregon fans would respond, and I think just justifiably so, with, well, we never had a chance to play Washington to prove ourselves right. as the best Pac-12 North. So, like, I think both fan bases are going to be fired up all offseason. Washington's going to say, hey, well, we were Pac-12 North champs, and Oregon's going to say, hey, we were Pac-12 conference champions. I just think there's so much surrounding this that's interesting. Plus, this is a November game on the road in Seattle. Um, I don't think it's going to be quite as treacherous from a weather perspective as against Utah, but it's going to be tough up there. And that's a real, and, and this has become like, I actually think 2021 has a chance to be like one of these really great rivalry opportunities. Um, we've talked a lot about how these programs have never kind of both been firing on all cylinders. I think they should be the favorites in the North this year. And you figure this game means a ton for the Pac-12 North division. It could be even a game with only a couple of games after it that kind of like clinches or determines who wins it. So I think there could be a lot on the line there. It's going to be a tough place to play. I think the Huskies, like the Ducks, have a lot of question marks on both sides of the football. But um, I think they're going to be, I'm guessing, and this is, of course, a couple months down the road here when they vote for a Pac-12 media poll, I'm guessing it's going to be Oregon or Washington in the North. Um, and so I think that game is going to carry a lot of expectations. Finally, and this is, of course, like about as easy as it gets, September 11th at Ohio State. How is, I mean, this is, this is the toughest game, yep. the most exciting game. The most, I think, probably the most anticipated non-conference game in, in program history, um, facing a team that was one win short of winning the national championship game. I don't really care that Alabama smashed Ohio State. Alabama smashed everybody. They just were, I think, a fantastic football team and just that much better than everybody else. I think Ohio State was the second best team in the country last year. They just weren't that competitive with the Crimson Tide. That game is going to be fine. And I, as I wrote in my little piece today about it, I don't really care what Ohio State lost. I know they, they lose a ton. They lost Justin Fields at quarterback. They lose a bunch of skill guys. They lose a bunch of guys on defense, et cetera, et cetera. I really don't care what they lose. That program rebuilds, it retools, and it rebrands itself every season. And that, game, that is a game that is huge for Mario Cristobal. I think I look at this and say there are three you – know, there's a couple possible outcomes here, but like a win would set them up to really actually have a real chance to win a – you know, to make the college football playoff. Right. Um, we, talked, we talked about this before. We talked about scheduling SEC teams of like, you win this game, you kind of get yourself a mulligan for conference play. You give yourself a little room to mess up, maybe lose a game here or there that you shouldn't, should say here, just because I think you're going to lose one game. If you lose that game close, I think that still adds a lot of cachet of like, hey, they went in early season, new quarterback, Columbus, they competed, they almost pulled it out. Like they're going to be really good. If they get wiped off the field, that's going to be an issue. That's going to be a real problem. But like, I look at this and say, like, that's the easy choice for number one. And like, frankly, like win or lose, as long as it's close, you're going to come away feeling pretty good where this program's at. Sneaky game for me is the week eight opponent, Oregon on the road against UCLA. They play Cal the week before on a Friday. So in theory, they get one extra day of prep. But what that probably in reality will be more of is just one more day of being off, not practicing, resting, healing, rehab, treatment. Um, If a guy gets nicked up, just one extra day to get healthy to be able to play the next week. I I don't think they'll have an additional practice thrown in there. They might do something as a team, whether it's like a walkthrough or a stretch or something, but uh, it's more of a day to get healthy, I think. But that UCLA game, week eight for the Ducks on the road. Remember, you could argue UCLA should have beaten Oregon this season in 2020. 
if they, um, if they had uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, their quarterback, they might've done it really. Yeah. So like he's back for his senior year. Uh, even if he's not back, Griffin's a, is more than a, a competent quarterback to get the job done on the yeah. road, uh, coming off a game for Oregon in which, you know, Cal is probably going to be tough. I mean, they beat Oregon last year. So you look at that, and I just think that UCLA game is a very sneaky one. Um, I also like the fact that Oregon is playing their first Pac-12 game at home and not on the road. That's always a good thing. But I'm with you. The back half of this schedule is extremely front is backloaded. Cal is a tough opponent. UCLA is a tough opponent. Colorado was much improved this past season. We'll see what yeah. year two for Carl Durrell is like. Luckily for the Ducks, that is in Eugene. Washington, I don't have a problem with this game being a late a November road game. Um, that That's understandable. I, From a conference perspective, then especially from an Oregon perspective, I absolutely hate the fact that the league is sending – either their number one or their number two Pac-12 North team to Salt Lake City, Utah, week 12 of a week 13 of a 13 week regular season. Um, Agreed. That, that is your setting. I understand you want big games late in the year, but if you're going to schedule these big games late in the year, you need to look at it in this regard. Okay. If you're playing a cross divisional game, you want your big one. You, you want, the teams who you feel like are one and two in the division. And I feel like in the North, that's Oregon, that's Washington in the South, that's USC and that's Arizona state. You want those teams if they're playing a cross divisional game late in the year, it's a home game. If they're playing a cross divisional game on the road, it's early in the year. You don't want to set yourself up for a, a, dip, a more difficult schedule than it needs to be. And you're asking one of your best teams in the Pac-12 North to go on the road and play a late season game against the Pac-12 South team in an, an environment that's unlike basically anywhere else in the conference. And that's a huge ask. I mean, you don't see the SEC schedule Alabama at Florida the second to last week of the year. You just don't do that. They're in two different divisions. the idea is, Hey, if these two teams are going to play, play them early because there's a possibility they could, you know, be the two best teams in the league and they might meet again in a conference championship game. Don't, don't put it that late in the year. I I think I agree. I think there's a disservice here of you have Washington and Utah and then whoever, I mean, in theory, we're talking in theory, here's way down the road, but in theory, then another tough game in the conference championship game, assuming Oregon does enough to get there. That would be basically, Th- your three toughest conference games all in the last month of the season. And, and that just seems like a lot, right? I mean, like, and, and, and maybe that's something where if you, if, if Oregon is really deserving of playing for a college football playoff, right. And, and being one of those teams, they need to go through that gauntlet late in the season, but that just sets you up to stub your toe. And as we know, you lose games late. It really doesn't play well. And losing to Arizona state a couple of years ago, knocked Oregon, Oregon completely out of it. And if they are to lose to Ohio state, which I think, I mean, I'm just going to be, I don't want to be a homer, but like, I mean, like they're not going to win that. I'm, I'm not going to be a homer. I should say they're not going to win that game. I, I don't, I'd be very surprised if they beat Ohio state. So that sets you up with a loss there. That means you really don't have much room for, for a loss the rest of the season. So you get through and we can talk about kind of the, the, the front half of this in a second and, and some more on the back half, but 
let's say they get through everything unscathed and they get through Washington on November 6th unscathed that you feel like, man, this team is really hot. They've won, what would that be? Eight games in a row. Like they beat Washington state at home. Okay. They've now won nine in a row and they've got to go beat Utah. And if they drop that game, they're out, they're out of that. They're out of the whole thing. And even if they win the conference championship game, which could, like you said, be against Utah again, um, a week, a week or so after they play Oregon state in the final game of the regular season, you've completely just drowned out really any, any involvement in the college football playoffs. So I agree. I think that's a scheduling miss. And like, honestly, that's a game that I'm with you. I think if that game is played in like mid October, a month or so earlier, that's fine. Like, okay, cool. That's like, that's going to be a really tough game. It's going to be, the weather's not going to be quite as bad though. And and Utah's not going to be quite as, as comfortable and, and, and and whatnot. But you play this game with all of the noise around it. Like, that if this plays out in that way where Oregon is really hot and actually in the, in the conversation for a college football playoff, that game is going to be humongous nationally, which is maybe not a bad thing. But if you drop that game, it is really, really bad for the conference because it means once again, you're not getting a team in the playoff unless Utah's also, unless it's kind of what it was in the college football or in the conference championship a couple of games, a couple of years ago where both teams are, are kind of in the discussion. And, and if Utah were to win, they'd go. And if Oregon were to win, they'd go kind of thing. Um, Unless it's that, it's a loss for the conference. I do like the fact that there is no back-to-back road games True. for the Ducks this season. That is a very positive outcome, um, especially if you are going to play a difficult back end of the schedule. You don't want to have back-to-back road games, and the Ducks are avoiding that. Um, you do get the Beavers at home to end the season. Uh, that will be a strong finish there. Your home schedule, let's actually run through the whole schedule here. We haven't done it yet. Uh, Oregon opens the year week one, September 4th at home against Fresno State, a very solid Mountain West Conference team, uh, one that has a returning quarterback, Jake Hayner, formerly of the Washington Huskies. Uh, They will be a formidable opponent week one. Then the Ducks travel to Columbus, Ohio, to take on the Ohio State University week two of the season, 9-11 uh, and then week three, nine eighteen, the Ducks will finish up their non-con slate with a game against Stony Brook. Uh, and then the second straight home game, Oregon opens Pac-12 play week four, September 25th against Arizona. Uh, Jed Fish's first game as the head coach of the Arizona Wildcats in Pac-12 play. Get a good feel for where they are in that one. And then they travel on the road, the Ducks do, to Stanford on October 2nd. Uh, Eric and I will be there, uh, knock on wood, uh, but things look good there. And then the Ducks get a bye week, uh, week six of the season, uh, September 9th, or excuse me, October 9th. After the bye week, the Ducks get Cal at home on October uh, 15th. It's a Friday game. Uh, so short week, but coming off a bye, which is good, which gives you an extra day to get ready for your week eight opponent at UCLA on October 23rd. And then the Ducks will be home for Halloween weekend, uh, playing Colorado Buffalo uh, on October 30th. And then the gaunt- I think this is the gauntlet run right here at Washington on November 6th. And then you play at home against Washington State on the 13th of November. You go to Salt Lake City, like we mentioned second to last week of the year, November 20th. It's going to be a cold, could be icy, could be snowy. Uh, game probably played in the in the high teens, low 20s. And then you've also got the Civil War 
or I should say game formerly known as the Civil War, uh, October 3rd, November 13th, excuse me, on 1127. Um, you miss Arizona State, you miss USC, probably the two best teams in the Pac-12 South, setting up a, a situation where if one of those two teams does emerge out of the Pac-12 South, Oregon does as well without either of them having a loss in conference play, you're going to have a, a huge showdown in the conference uh, championship game. I'm, I'm guessing that's what the conference really hopes happens, you know, between Oregon and Washington and, and, well, I mean, Oregon is the, the premier North program, but between those programs, if, if those teams don't have a loss and then they're able to face, you know, Arizona state or USC in the championship game, that actually sets you up to really have some opportunity to, to actually send a team, which gosh, they, the conference really, really needs it. Like if, if they can't, I mean, the, the more that this drought of playing for the playoff continues, the more and more it just hurts the viability of the conference and the, and the national perception of it. The fact that you, I mean, and, I, and I've, I've already spoken my piece about, I think it's ridiculous that you don't you know, have at least five teams that play in this, or, you know, I mean, you probably need eight just because you have all these con- you have conferences that aren't even represented in the playoff. And that just seems completely wrong. And I'm not saying that like, you know, Oregon as a Pac-12 championship champion in 2020 would have had a shot in hell against Alabama or Ohio state or Clemson. Um, I don't think those games would have been competitive, but like the conference deserves a shot. And I mean, that stinks, but these are the rules and this is how it works out. But they really, really need to send a team. And I think you're right. I think it's a good point. Like Oregon kind of dodges some bullets here by not facing either of probably the top two teams in the Pac-12 South. Um, that game against Utah late in the season, that's tough, but that's better than if it was say Arizona State or USC, probably, probably. I mean, maybe Utah, again, outperforms its, its expectations this year. I think that's kind of become the trend under Kyle Whittingham, but um, it's, it's a four, you know, the schedule is, is a positive in terms of you avoid games against probably the two best teams in the South. Um, The, I just want to talk about how this is. I always think it's interesting when the bye week takes place, because that kind of sets up the stretch run of the season here. And I actually think this year's bye week is earlier than you'd like. Um, I think you'd rather get that further into the schedule because let's be real here. Oregon should enter the bye week on October 9th and have at most one loss, you know, and, and that, that the Ohio state game is the only game of those first five, the five being Fresno state, Ohio state, Stony Brook, Arizona, and at Stanford, the Ohio state game really feels like it should be the only one in those five games that Oregon should, that, you know, that, that it wouldn't be crazy for Oregon to lose. They should beat Fresno State. They should beat Stony Brook. I've already talked about Arizona. I think Stanford could be improved, but I mentioned it earlier, the kind of the storyline, the narrative with David Shaw is like they play a lot better in November than they do in early October, and that's, I think, a scheduling win to play the Cardinal there because they have to replace their quarterback. And as I said, usually the team seems to be kind of gelling late in the season. That was the case last year. They lost their first two games, won their last four, looked really good at the end of the year, beat some pretty good teams. So I think that's a win, but so let's say you go, I think you have to go into that bye week at, at four and one at worst. And if it's two losses there, Matt, like that's really problematic. If they lose to either Arizona or Stanford or even Fresno state, like if they have two losses, this season has a totally different complexion after yeah. the bye week. Yeah. But with that said, like, I, I think I would rather have that bye week come like after the UCLA game, October 23rd. And, and, or, you know, or I guess you'd have to shuffle stuff around, but like after the UCLA game, get, get further into the schedule, play a couple of the tougher teams rather than you basically are playing, you know, Arizona thinks the worst team in the conference. Stanford's probably not the worst team, but they're not in the top half. I mean, I think, I don't know, just off the top of my head, I'd probably have them like 
eighth to 10th probably in the conference. I'd rather have that bye week after a tough game. And this sets it up where you then have no breaks from October 15th to the end of the season. And you're playing most of the heavy hitters. You're playing Cal, Washington, and, and Oregon State. And I include Oregon State there just because they beat Oregon and Cal beat Oregon last year. But those are three of your most difficult Right. divisional games and then you play utah and colorado and ucla which are undoubtedly your three toughest crossover games in colorado you mentioned ucla as a sleeper i think colorado people like maybe don't remember they were they were right there to win the south and then had a uh, slipped up against utah um, they would argue that they should have had a chance to play for the conference championship game rather than oregon that didn't work out but they had the pac-12 offensive player of the year and freshman jarek brassard sam neuer kid out of beaverton who will be their quarterback again he was pretty darn good last year like, i think that's a sneaky game too so i i, mean, I don't i think the back seven games like i look at that and think your easiest games are probably washington state or oregon state but none of those like washington state and oregon state in like mid to late november those aren't like i that's not like super fun i mean those aren't teams well, you like and, playing late and, in the year and to counter washington state like they're always a team that seems to play better later in the year than earlier true and on top of that they have a bye week before oregon Mm-hmm. So they're getting they're getting rest. I mean, Oregon is playing uh, the Huskies, while Washington State is coming off a game against Arizona State and getting a bye, and then traveling uh, to Eugene for for that road game. So you know the Cougars will have more opportunity. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to say that's bad scheduling or or whatnot, like unfair advantage for the Cougars, because hey, you know the Ducks get an advantage before Cal, but. Yeah. You know, this is a game in which, you know, Washington State usually is a second half good team and they're getting a bye week ahead of that. There's two teams on the schedule this season that Oregon will be playing that gets a bye before they face the Ducks. Um, Cal also gets a bye, but so does Oregon. Oregon has the bye week the same time as the Bears because uh, they're playing that game on a Friday. Um, I'm with you, though. The the late bye is certainly something I think should have – if Oregon's going to play the, the, the gauntlet that they're going to have of Cal, UCLA, Washington, Washington State, Utah, and Oregon State, uh, and the, oh, even throw Colorado in there. Yeah, throw them in there. They deserve to be in there. They the, were one of the, the last players. six games of the year, like, boy, I, I really wish uh, Oregon had some kind of um, buy. You know, it, it's just difficult to get through that type of a gauntlet with, without one. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think you'd rather it's like seven I, games, not six. Yeah, it's, I think it's seven. Yeah, I, I think I actually liked 2019, where and I know this wasn't like I, I kind of wish it went back to they had two buys that year. Um, I, I think having, I, I mean, like you know, I don't, I'm not going to try to redo the whole pactal scheduling thing here, but like I wouldn't hate the idea of like you do a bye week after your last non-conference game, right? Sets it up for conference, and then you play five games have a bye week play your last six games of conference play or sorry you play last four games of conference play some something like that you play half your conference games basically you play the other half um because that just seems like it's a clear separation between kind of the parts of the season non-conference half conference and you play by blah 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 um this is tough and, and and like again i think oregon the schedule in general like we should probably at least just kind of our my, my overarching feeling is this is pretty favorable um you know, they, they, too, they do play two of the tougher games on the road in November, and that's not ideal. But 
They also don't play USC or Arizona State. We already talked about how we think those are some of the better teams. I mean, their first five games, they have a lot of time there to kind of figure some things out, which is important coming off an offseason in a weird year like last year. And then they have a bye. I mean, they got six weeks basically before they have to be. And you know, and you can, I mean, they, you want to, of course, be great against Ohio State, like, but they don't really, in theory, to win the conference need to be at their best that game. Like, if we're just talking about this from a conference only perspective, and we're kind of not, we're kind of leaving the college football playoff as kind of like a, a whole nother thing. I think this kind of sets them up in the conference because in theory, you don't have to be playing your best football until October 15th, you know, and that comes after five games, none of like, none of which besides Ohio State, I think should be really, really competitive. And maybe I'm overlooking Stanford a little, but, and then you have a bye week. Um, I think that sets you up in terms of like, you should be kind of confident and know where you're at, which is important with kind of a young team with a lot of questions to figure out. Um, but that back half is tough. So I think the front half does you a lot of favors. The back half does not. And the back half is where we're going to learn and see if this team can win a conference or not. And if they, you know, the reality is like, let's say they go four and one in the front half. They probably to win the conference need to lose at, you know, they probably need to lose one, maybe two games to win the conference there. And, and so you have to go either five and two or six and one in the back end, then play a conference championship game. It's not going to be easy, but I think this team is capable of it a lot. There's a ton of question marks before we like really like I'm sure I'm going to put out a predicting the rep, the, the schedule story this week. But I'll say that with also saying like we there's so many questions that need to be answered about this team that the schedule and, and so many questions we need to have answered about these other teams in the conference too, considering the weird year it was like I think it's hard to kind of have a measuring stick of who really was the best teams last year in the conference because heck like Washington state played four games, you know, Oregon state played seven games. Some of these teams didn't play all their games. So I think it's kind of hard to know exactly what everybody's at, but my sense looking at this is that this is not a terrible schedule for Oregon in terms of trying to win the conference. I think it's a little more difficult for making the college football playoff though, because it doesn't really allow you to really have any hiccup games in the back end. I mean, the most important thing here is Washington, uh, I guess the most important thing here is that the Pac-12 eliminated the bye week ahead of the Washington game for the Oregon Ducks. Is that is that what we're supposed to take away from this? Um, Oregon no longer has that bye week. Uh, conspiracy theorists up north have always <laughs> believed that the Huskies have had a, a slighted for the last year, few, you know, few decade or so, because Ducks always have some kind of bye week leading up to that Washington game, and they can rest easy that. Uh, instead of having the bye week, they now get two road games uh, at Arizona and and at Stanford before they play Oregon. So that oh. that's what we're going to hear about from the people up north for the next, I don't know, four or five months is that how Oregon got some advantage because they get games uh, at home uh, against UCLA and then they, uh, on the road at UCLA and then at home against Colorado while uh, the Huskies have to go to Arizona and Stanford. Difficult slate there. And pray for the people in Seattle. That's going to be a difficult game there uh, for them. Uh, but looking at this overall schedule, I, I, I look at this and think I'm with you. I, there's probably going to be two losses on this yeah. schedule somewhere. I mean, until a team in the conference goes undefeated, you just have to expect that every team's going to drop one at some point. Um, I, I, I feel like 10-2 and two, with knowing that you're playing Ohio State on the road, hey, maybe they come out and they shock the world uh, and, and win that game. But knowing that game's on the schedule non-con, knowing the difficulty that you have against Cal, knowing the difficulty you have against UCLA, Washington, Utah, even Oregon State, 
Um, I, I think odds are in the favor that Oregon does lose one game in conference play. And you you probably lean more this way than I do, but you probably would be the one to, to say maybe even two conference losses. I was just about to say, I think best case is that they lose one game and that's to Ohio State, and that's a perfect season. They probably are right entrenched in that college football playoff conversation. I think worst case is maybe four. Um, and that would be a scenario where they lose to both Washington and Utah on the road. And then they lose one of these games. I mean, cause like, and then they lose the games to either Colorado, UCLA, and I'll even throw Oregon state in there just cause they won the last year. I don't necessarily expect that they will, but like, I don't think it's insane at all to suggest that Cal and Oregon state who both beat Oregon last year and UCLA, which lost by three points at Otson last year, all those teams could be better. And all of those teams are going to be ready to play and want to beat Oregon. And so, like, I could see Oregon losing. If they lose one of those three games, I'm not going to be totally shocked. I mean, they shouldn't. I mean, they'll be probably favored in all, all, all the different metrics going into those if we, if we assume the first five go out the way we think. But, I mean, I think worst case is you, you could see them losing three conference games. That means they don't win the division this year. Best case, they somehow sweep it all the way through, lose to Ohio State, and you're talking about them in a different light. Like, and, and maybe this is just unfair because 2020 was a weird year for a ton of reasons, but like my, my optimism is not super, super high that this is going to be a team that goes nine and zero in pack 12 and is the first team to do it. It just, it feels like there's too many holes, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at this thinking like, we don't know exactly what they have at quarterback. The defense is a new coordinator. Um, the offensive line wasn't exactly blowing everybody off the line last year and like you kind of need those three things to feel really good about you want to have a good quarterback good offensive line and a, and a, and a kick-ass defense I don't have extreme confidence that in, in any of those areas and that's a problem if we're talking I mean that's not a problem in terms of like being really competitive and, and winning the conference but to me that's a problem when you're talking about being the first team in, in conference history to go nine and zero in Pac-12 play like I would think you'd wrap – I'd have a lot more optimism if you knew what you had at quarterback and you knew you had a great defense like Oregon had in 2019 where they almost were the first team to do it. Um, but, you know, I lost to Arizona State. That was their one loss. Then I do this year. I just think there's too many question marks and you're coming off a 2020 season, which was a little underwhelming for me to be like, yeah, I'm thinking they're going to just run the table on conference play and, and win 10 straight going into the conference championship game and then win 11 straight. Like – that's what teams like Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson do. Oregon, I don't think, has proven the last couple of years they're able to do that. And this conference is a is a gauntlet. And so, I mean, I think best case, maybe they don't, they run the table, but I think realistically they're going to drop a game or two. And I think this year to me is more about let's let's see if they can reestablish themselves as the best team in the Pac-12 North and the best team in the conference. Um, and that might set you up in 2022 to be a team that can really compete for a national championship. But I, I, again, I know I, I'm probably not shocking a lot of people. Maybe I am, but I feel like this is, this year doesn't smell like college football playoff from where I'm sitting. It's going to be fun to see this debate, this discussion. Well, we're going to get a ton of content items and kind of discussion points right. uh, out of this. Give us your feedback on what you feel like is the toughest game in the schedule. What's the most exciting game on the schedule? Uh, for you in 2021 for the Oregon Duck football season campaign. Let us know in the comments on duckterritory.com. Tweet us. Uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, give us a review while giving us that that answer as well, whatever platform you use to listen to the podcast. So uh, we'll have more and more coverage of this release and more throughout the coming days, weeks, and into spring and summer. 
as we get closer and closer to the 2021 college football season. And until then, you've been listening to the Autzen Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks.